All right, shake hands with three folks, tell them you're glad to see them and be seated. Can I turn the book a little bit? So, uh, were you surprised when you walked in to see the new setup? Um, this is the same number of chairs that we've had out here, but um, just utilizing the space better. So now we can, you can see there's a whole lot more we can do with this arrangement. And actually, there will be a lot more that we'll be doing in the weeks ahead. We're going to put another screen over here, and then we'll be able to add chairs on this side. And so uh, just wanted to utilize the space better. <clears throat> and um, it almost killed us to get this done uh, in this amount of time. And I couldn't have done it without Alex and Wes and Drew. Um, these guys gave up uh, about two and a half days of their time. Drew came ready to get in the attic um, this past Monday morning at 9, and I think we got him in the attic about 1.30. Um, and then we left him in the attic for over two and a half hours, pulling cables and stuff like that. And when he came down, I'm not sure he's been the same since. Uh, <laughs> But uh, these guys did a, a tremendous amount of work, and uh, I just appreciate them. Let's give them a hand just for all, all the stuff they did. This has been kind of a kind of a wild week. Um, Monday morning, Jean Owens died, and I don't know if if all of you know who she was. She was grandma. She used to sit back here on the back. Um, Sandy Gleason's mom died, and. Uh, Sandy wanted me to share this with you. She said, Dear church family, we want to thank you for your prayers, love, and kindness you've shown us this past week. What a blessing it was to come on Wednesday after the funeral and find a meal ready. There was enough food for us and our out-of-town friends and family. You saw to everyone's need and stayed to clean up. The love you showed through your actions spoke louder than any words could have. We are so thankful for each and every one of you. I think what, what means the most is knowing that we are not the only ones who love Grandma and will miss her. I know you all loved her and will miss her as well. Thank you for loving us and just being there. Love, Rick and Sandy. Um, Sandy's here today, and she said today was very tough because she would get up early on Sunday mornings, and Grandma wanted to be here. Um, 82 years old, and, and it took her a long time to make it up the stairs. But she wanted to be at church, and she bragged about her church family, and she bragged about being the Grandma. And Sandy even told me this morning that... that um, at one time, they, uh, Grandma said, well, you know, if we went to any other church, I'd be one of several grandmas. <laughs> but at this one, I am the grandma. And uh, she was, and she's missed. But she's reunited with her, um, with her husband who had died ten years prior and uh, a couple of children that had passed away before her. So just remember Rick and Sandy. Rick's at home sick. Um, <clears throat> I'm sick. I'm getting over it. I'm on drugs, though, so I think I'm, I think I'm okay. I don't know really what I'm thinking and feeling right now, so who knows where the sermon is going today. We'll, we'll find that out. Um, we do have first Wednesday, this, uh, this Wednesday. It's our leadership um, development time. It's at 6.30. We do have child care. It's a, it's a covered dish meal, and we invite all of you to come and to be a part of that. The other thing is we do have a 101 uh, class. That's our church membership class. If you're interested in knowing anything about the church, joining the church, why we do the things that we do, there's a sign-up sheet at the back. That'll be the last Sunday in uh, March. And we will uh, 
we'll feed you and we'll have child care. If you need that, just sign up back there and, and we'll have all of that stuff for you. <clears throat> Pray for my voice today because I don't know. Now I got some up here. All right. You got the uh, in the zone. Since I can't talk and I didn't figure y'all want to see me draw this again, uh, y'all get to, we're going to quiz you today. This is our final day of, of in the zone. All right. Who is this? Who does this stand for? God is the blesser. Yay. Point one. We're there. And who is blessed? We are. All humans, he wants to bless. God wants to bless those, but he only blesses those who do what? Turn around and be a blessing to others. So God doesn't give you anything just to bless you. He gives you things to bless others. Here's where God wants us to live, and we are designed to live in, in the sweet spot of God's success. But we tend to live in the land of being. What are those things we try to do in the land of being? We're concerned with. It's up there. Just read it. Earning. Housing. Bling, bling. Thank you. That's the only thing they're going to remember from the whole series of that. Doug said bling, bling, ka-ching, ka-ching. Every week. And the way we become a blessing to others, we said there's two things. We receive from God. God first gave. And the fact that, that we couldn't save ourselves, God said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we were enemies of God. And he still was the first giver. And so if we're going to be like God, if we're going to be a blessing to others, we've got to receive from God this gift of Jesus Christ. And then we reflect who God is by being a giver to others. We give of our time, our talents. We, we become a blessing to other people. Uh, and we said that folks who live in the land of Eden are not happy. Um, I've been reading a lot of stuff this week on the Internet about um, millionaires and, and all of this stuff. And, and it's, it's pretty funny um, because there's a common theme that was going through all of these things. And no matter how much money people made, they still weren't satisfied. It was never enough. So there must be a different way. And that's what we've been talking about in the zone. And uh, we're going to finish that up today. Let's pray together and let's continue to sing. Like that was kind of scary. Did y'all ever see any scary movies when you were little? 
And what did scary movies do to you? Made me scared, yeah. Um, I remember my dad would always come home and work in the garage. And, uh, I mean, we would have supper at 5.05 p.m. And I thought that's when everybody had supper because dad got off at the plant at Phillips Petroleum, come home. 5.05, we would have supper at 5.30. Dad would be in the garage and he would stay there until bedtime. And our back door was right here and the garage was here and you had to go across what used to be a patio. And it was like the black hole. It sucked every bit of light at night in there and it never came out. And mom would make me go tell dad it was bedtime. I don't know why, you know, he's an adult, he had a watch, all that stuff, but she would make me go tell dad. And I would go out the back door and I would, I would get to the, the patio opening and I would run as fast as I could to the garage door, open it and slam it. Dad say, bedtime? I'm like, yeah. Will you go right now? He said, no, i got a few things. Go ahead and go inside. I'm like, shoot. Because I'd have to open that door and run back by because I just knew there was something in there that was going to grab me. I, uh, I slept, my room was the farthest from my parents' room. And uh, I'm the youngest of, of uh, four siblings. And so when everybody else was gone, I had the bedroom in the back of the house. And, and uh, there was a basement underneath my bedroom and all this stuff. It was just a bad place for a young kid to be. And, and I used to have these, these thoughts because it was so dark back there. I wouldn't let my hand or leg hang off of the bed because I knew there were rats the size of dogs underneath there that were going to grab it, pull me under, and gnaw parts of my body off. That's what I used to think about monsters and stuff. <clears throat> that explains a lot about me, doesn't it? Um, and I remember my parents used to say, there's no such thing as monsters. There's no such thing as monsters. My, my older brother, my older sister, Doug, there's no such thing as monsters. But I watched it on TV, so I believed there were monsters. And when I became an adult, I figured out that, <clears throat> that there are monsters. Not the type that you necessarily see on TV, but there is a monster called the creature from the cash lagoon. Not from the black lagoon, the creature from the cash lagoon. There are monsters that are out to destroy your life. <clears throat> And part of the problem is this monster, this creature from the Cash Lagoon, is a shapeshifter. You know what a shapeshifter is? A shapeshifter changes forms to gain your confidence so that ultimately they can suck you under and destroy you. All right? So we're going to talk about three forms that the creature from the Cash Lagoon shifts into to try to destroy your financial life today. And the first one is the plastic people eater. He shifts into the plastic people eater. You've seen the plastic piranhas, right? You probably carry some in, in your pocket, right? I got a couple here. Cabela's. Cabela's Visa. I got um, Sam's business credit. That's a dangerous one. I think that's it. That's all I got. These, uh, if, if you just think of these as people eaters, this is what they want to do. And they nibble at you little by little so that they get you in their spell and they eventually they want to destroy you. You can't have my Cabela's visa, although I do get points for it so that I can buy things at Cabela's free. The only time I ever buy anything at Cabela's because it's too doggone expensive. <clears throat> now, what happens is we start down the slopes of the cash lagoon, these steep slopes, and we completely ignore the warning signs that say danger. 
high interest infested water. And we're like, interest? What's that? The thing I'm interested in is what I can buy with this plastic thing. So we just totally ignore it. And we actually use credit cards as flotation devices. You thought about that? And, and you can float for a little while. But these are flotation devices that were built to leak. They, they will carry you for a little while, but they were designed to leak so that eventually you go under. And the, the creature from the cash lagoon, he's waiting for an arm or a leg to hang off so he can pull you down to the depths of debt. And that's exactly what he does. <clears throat> and anybody, anybody here who has been in debt will tell you that what you get from debt is not freedom. It's bondage. Um, we've interviewed folks and we've talked to different folks and it's, it's not a good place to be in debt. Plastic people eaters are dangerous. They're wicked. And they give you this illusion of power because you can go get something even when you don't have money. Did you know that the average American household receives 50 unsolicited credit card offers per year? Five, zero, 50. That's almost one a week. And evidently we fill some of them out. Because the average American household carries $8,400 per month in credit card debt. Now, we got to define this because credit card debt is unsecured debt. Secured debt would be like your mortgage on your house. A secured debt means if you default on the loan, the bank comes and takes your house. Unsecured debt is like the Big Mac that you bought last week on the credit card. If you default on that loan, how does the bank come and take the Big Mac back? It, it, you can't. It's unsecured. And so $8,400 of unsecured debt, average American carries. And, and here's the deal. Most of us look at that and we say, well, I can afford it because the minimum payment, that's not bad. 25, 50 bucks a month. Oh, I can afford that. I'm not making this up. Do you know how many years it would take you to pay off $8,400 at the minimum payment at 18% interest? 25 years. Okay, I'm 42. I'd be 67 when I would pay that off. And do you know how much it would cost total for me to pay off that debt? Not $8,400. 24,000 bones to pay off my original 8400 That's bad math. I don't care which tax test you take. That's just bad math. <clears throat> now, I'm not trying to tell you that credit cards are all bad, but the way we use them is not really wise. Um, credit cards are useful for travel, for plane tickets, for renting cars, uh, things like that. The best thing to do would be to have a no-fee card that you pay off every month. Um, but even when you do that, here's the problem. Even when you do that, studies show that we spend more money when we use plastic instead of paper. One study, researchers asked several hundred families to do all of their buying with, the, with cash over a three-month period. At the end of three months, they said, okay, don't change any of your spending habits. In this next three months, use only credit cards. The second three months, they spent on average 20 to 30% more on the exact same items because they were using plastic. So $20 to $30 more for every $100 they spent simply because um, there is something different psychological about handing cash to someone as there is to handing a credit card. 
How many times have you bought something with a credit card, walked out of the store and not even known how much you've paid for it? Yeah, because you don't think about it. You slip that through there. You sign it. <clears throat> Happened to me at Lowe's the other day. Got to the car and I thought, you know, I really should look and see whether they charge me the right amount or not. Because we don't think about it. But if they say that's $127 and you're counting out cash, there's a psychological thing that, that hurts there more than when you give a credit card. <clears throat> they ask uh, another study from Princeton University or Purdue University instructed two groups of people to go buy a pocket camera. One group, they gave cash. The other group, they used credit cards. Which one do you think bought the cheaper camera? Cash people paid an average of $29 for their camera. Credit card people paid $52.67 because you didn't think about it. Credit cards are dangerous because they make borrowing money too easy. And look what the Bible says um, about that. <clears throat> Proverbs 22.7 says, Borrow money and you are the lender's slave. That seems kind of harsh. But do you get to decide whether you pay your bills every month? Bank of America has my mortgage. They own me for another 10 years. And we, you know, we double up our payments. And so we make 13 payments every year. I mean, we, we pay uh, twice a month on our mortgage so that we end up doing 13 payments instead of 12 a year. Uh, <clears throat> so we'll have it paid off. by the, I think it's by the time Caleb is, is a sophomore in college, we'll have our house paid off. Woo-hoo, I am so excited about that. But until then, I am their slave and, and I have to keep making that payment. And so when God's word tells us something, we need to pay attention to it. Is the Bible saying we should never go into debt? No. But don't go into debt for something that decreases in value. How many things do you know decrease in value? <laughs> almost, almost everything. What, what the Bible is saying is don't dance with plastic people ears because they will destroy you. Um, there is a second shape that the shapeshifter takes that he wants to destroy you with. And this is called the media monster. The media monster. How many of you uh, watched the Super Bowl? Super Bowl is media monster in on steroids. Um, Two million bucks or something like that for a 30 second commercial. And really, I enjoy the commercials as much as I enjoy the uh, the football game. <clears throat> but what what is the media monster designed to create in you? Content or discontent? Discontent with what you have. Now, it irritates me. There are some things that I, I'll see a commercial and I'll actually say, I will not buy that because they just insulted my intelligence. And I will never, ever buy from them. Because, like, if you think, you know, if that's your target audience, someone so stupid that they'll buy because of that, I'm not giving you my money. <clears throat> but evidently, advertising works, at least in America, because they keep selling out more and more money for it. And... um and we got to figure out that this media monster just wants to destroy us. They say, you deserve it. You've earned it. It's your money. Not only can you have it all, but you should have it all. And when you have it all, your life will be perfect. Right? Watch this video and, uh, and see if their message is like the media monster or not.
playing silly card games? Then it's time to play Go or Broke! game. I, that, I think that could be the title of, of some of our autobiographies. Um, if only commercials were that up front, you know, that, that you're going to go broke and you're, you're going to ruin your credit, you're going to ruin your kid's college education, if only um, they, they admitted those things. Now, to defeat the media monster, you've got to realize that life is not about my kingdom. It's about his kingdom. And his kingdom will not come until my kingdom goes. Matthew 10, 16 says this. Be as cunning as snakes, but as innocent as doves. What in the world does that mean? Well, it means when it comes to the media monster, you've got to look past the glitz and the glitter of advertising. A lot of times we'll be sitting around with our kids and we'll say, um, do you think what they're offering really um, really will, will make your wildest dreams come true. And, and the kids are like, no, that's not going to happen. We try to figure out what they're really selling. It's not usually um, so much the, the item they're trying to sell as they're trying to sell discontent with your life. If you really want to defeat the plastic people eaters, what would you do? Cut them up. <laughs> and some are like, no. Um, some folks have seen that's, that's the smartest thing you can do. And you may have to do that if you're going to get out of debt, if you're going to have a decent financial life. If you really want to defeat the media monster, you're going to have to look past the smoke and mirrors to the real message. And, and here's, here's really the bottom line. If you realize that every spending decision is a spiritual decision, it will change the way you spend money. Because we've got to decide whether God's the owner or we're the owner. He knows it. He's waiting on us to figure it out. And whenever we realize it's his, then we become a manager, not an owner. We treat things completely differently. <clears throat> the shape shifter takes one more shape that I need to um, mention to you. It's the budget boogeyman. The budget boogeyman. And there are all kinds of budget boogeyman. Now, um, how many of you think that budget is a dirty word? Let me see here. Okay, we got a few of you. Some of you just not admitting it. Um, 
Some people being honest. Here's the first budget boogeyman, the impulsive spender. These are folks who can walk through a store, see a, a, a 50% off sale and go nuts. They'll see a $200 suit on sale for $100, buy it and go home and proudly proclaim, I just saved you 100 bucks." Now, my question is, did you spend $100 or did you put $100 in savings? Because don't tell me you saved me $100 if you just spent $100. I have a relative who one day, <clears throat> on the way home from work, just because he got tired of the van he was driving, on a whim, pulls into the dealership. Two hours later, he drives home with a brand spanking new van. Now... Bruce wants more. <laughs> he wants more people like that. I need to. Next time, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce him to you. Do you think he got the best deal possible by just driving in? Yeah. <laughs> if, if he went to see Bruce, he got the best possible deal he could get. <clears throat> the second budget boogeyman is the compulsive spender. This is the person who spends to, to meet some unmet, unmet need. <clears throat> Excuse me. They spend money as an escape mechanism. And probably this folk, these folks need some, some counseling. They shop, I'm being serious. They shop when they're sad. They shop when they're lonely. And it leads to bondage. And if you have any of these feelings, you probably need to share with somebody. And it might be a good time for you to get in to celebrate recovery. A uh, great place for you to have a safe environment to share your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups. God wants to um, rescue us from our situation, but too many times we won't let him because we're too proud to admit to someone else that we're actually hurting and that we actually have a problem. There's another um, budget boogeyman. It's the revenge spender. Revenge spender is someone who gets tired of being good. I've been good so long that I'm just going to blow everything in my savings account. Now, that sounds funny, but I know people have done it. Um, now, these people probably, probably don't honor God. They're probably not bringing the tithe. They probably don't pay themselves. But they drive an old car till they're just sick of it. And then, you know, they have to have a new one. Um, they, uh, uh, thank you, Ryan. <clears throat> they, uh, you the man. Um, they don't splurge on a lot of things. They don't splurge on groceries and, and on, on, you know, going out to eat. But then they just get tired of being good. And so they're going to they're gonna get even with themselves by spending all their money. Um, they're boredom spenders. Don't have anything to do. Let's go shopping. <clears throat> Special interest spenders. Uh, paintball guns. Hunting equipment, fishing supplies, um, four-wheelers. Now, this used to be a big part of my spending. Jet skis. If you buy a boat, <clears throat> the best description I've heard of a boat is it's a black hole in the water that you just throw money in. So, just, just go out to the lake and throw your money in the lake. And you'll have the same amount of pleasure as, as if you own a boat. Um, used to be a real big part of my spending was fishing, because I like to fish. 
Now I just charge it and get Cabela's points and buy it for free. Uh, that makes no sense either, does it? Um, status spenders. Have to have the latest clothing or cars because someone else that they think is cool has those things. At some point, you have to give up trying to win a game that never ends. It's a competition that, that never ends. And we end up trying to impress folks that don't even give a rip about us anyway. They couldn't care less. It's a losing proposition. And you can know for sure that you're living in the land of ing when you buy something to keep up or to one-up somebody else. You're living in the land of ing and God doesn't bless people in the land of ing. Now, fortunately, God gives us a great deal of guidance about money in the Bible. And if you look at Proverbs 21:20, it says, Wise people live in wealth and luxury. But stupid people spend their money as fast as they can get it. Anybody here want to be stupid? <laughs> no, we want to know how to be wise. So what do we need to do? We need to learn from God's word. Proverbs 27 says, Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. For riches don't last forever. Now, how many of you have ever owned a car that the gas gauge didn't work? <laughs> what kind of freedom does that offer you, not knowing how much gas you have? I've had boats that, that didn't, the gas gauge didn't work, and that is a sad, sad feeling when you're at the farthest point in the lake, and it goes, <laughs> and you're thinking, son, my trolling motor is going to have to go on high for about six hours to get me home. Um, I've driven cars that, that didn't have gas gauges that work, and that's just a miserable feeling. I'm going to drive my car by feel. Feels like it's got gas. Let's go to Dallas. I remember coming back from California one time. Mom and Dad and I were out in California, and we were going across um, the desert. And... Uh, um, Death Valley is where we were going across. And I remember we checked everything before we went into Death Valley. We checked everything when we came out. But can you imagine? I got enough gas to make it. It feels like I got enough gas to make it through Death Valley. Let's just chance it. Some of us spend money by feel. It feels like I still have money in my checking account. feels like I should be able to go and buy something for me or for my wife because I've been so good. That's a miserable life. Know the state of your flocks means to know what is happening in your life financially. <clears throat> Pay attention. Make a plan. And if your financial situation is causing you heartburn, do you know how to spell relief? B-U-D-G-E-T. Y'all say that after me. Ready? B-U-D-G-E-T. Say it. I'm not sure somebody spelled it right. I don't know if that's on purpose or not. Budget is not a curse word. It is simply planned spending. It's telling your money where to go instead of wondering at the end of the month where to go. And a lot of us do that. Failing to plan when it comes to money is planning to fail financially. Now, the basic budget that, that we teach here and that I believe comes out of Scripture is this. It's the 10-10-80 plan, or you can call it the bring, give, and live principle. Bring, give, and live principle. <clears throat> and if you don't like these numbers, talk to God. You don't have a problem with me. you got a problem with God because they come from God. So tell him. Don't tell me. I'm just a messenger. 
First part is you bring 10% to the local church. If you do, God says he will supernaturally bless the other 90%. And so you've got a choice to make. We've said this for five weeks now. Do you want 90% of your um, income supernaturally blessed by the God of the universe? Or do you want 100% of your income cursed by the God of the universe? And again, don't get mad at me. This comes out of scripture, and I'm going to read that for you in just a second. The Bible says that you are to bring 10% to the local church. That's wherever you go to church, wherever you are a regular attender. If you're a guest here, we don't ever ask you to give. If you go somewhere else, then, then you take the tithe there. Um, this does not mean giving to the televangelist on TV. Um, it doesn't mean bringing 10% to missionaries. Those are all good causes or Campus Crusade for Christ or whatever. But the Bible says that you bring 10% to the local church where you belong. Anything above that, then you can talk about giving. We're talking about bringing, though. You bring 10% to acknowledge that it all belongs to God. Now, there's a scene from Jesus' life. <clears throat> it's in John chapter 12. He's hanging out with Mary and, and Martha and Lazarus. And this was after he had raised Lazarus from the dead. Um, and they're having dinner. And all of a sudden, Mary brings out this really expensive jar of perfume. And she anoints Jesus with this jar of perfume. And Judas gets all upset. And he says, oh, my goodness. Something like that. <clears throat> he says, this was worth a year's wages. It could have been sold and the proceeds given to the poor. Now, on the surface, that sounds pretty good. Sounds like a good spiritual argument. But did Judas give a rip about the poor? No. And the Bible shows us very clearly. John twelve six. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Say what? Judas was the treasurer for the Son of God, and he stole from the Son of God. Can you imagine? I mean, as a kid, I used to think, how stupid was Judas? God knows everything. <clears throat> Taking up the collections because all these people were given to Jesus' ministry. He's sliding in, just kind of putting money in your pocket. He didn't give a rip about the poor. He wanted to have an opportunity to rip off God some more. And we think, golly, how can anybody steal from God? People do it all across the world in church every week. Now, I, I don't think you're going to walk back by the joy basket because we got a guard back there. And, uh, oh, there you go. I don't think you're going to go back there and, you know, start pulling money out. A lot of people just flat out ignore it. And look what God has to say about that in Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. A lot of people want the blessings of God. They just don't want to obey the commandments of God. And, and here's just the basic truth that you need to carry with you the rest of your life. Never violate a principle of God trying to get the blessing of God. So if you're not obeying there, don't expect God to have... He says you're on your own in your finances if you're not bringing the tithe. Now, the second 10% we give to ourselves. So the first 10% we bring to God. The second 10% um, we give to ourselves. Pay yourself first. How many of you have had good intentions about saving money and you wait till the end of the month to pay yourself? 
Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. And I'm the only one. Okay. What happens when when you wait to the end of the month to pay yourself? Do you ever get paid? Uh-uh. So, my suggestion is, set up some type of automatic draft at the first of the month where you don't see it. Do you ever spend money that you don't see? I mean, what's the whole idea of, of taking taxes out of your check? You don't see it. And it, well, it still hurts. You see it when you get your pay stub. <laughs> I gave what? But set up something. Um, the smartest thing Janie and I ever did was, was um, I guess about 12 years ago, we set up something called the Freedom Account for all of our non-monthly expenses. So there's this big chunk every month on the 15th that goes from my checking account into a different checking account for things like um, home insurance and, and car insurance and um, car repair, stuff like that. About 500 bucks a month that is transferred from one checking account to another. And that this freedom account is what we call it. The only thing it's ever used for are taxes for our house, insurance um, and repairs to our vehicles. And so it is so refreshing when January comes around and my taxes will be about 2400 bucks, that I go to the yellow checkbook and I write out a check because I didn't see it. I took it out over 12 months and we just, we've adjusted that through the years, but that's one of the best things we ever did because we don't see that money, we don't spend it. If we waited till the end of each month and then we said we're going to transfer 520 bucks into our freedom account, no, it's not going to happen. So you pay yourself. Can you imagine if you just make... $30,000 a year and you gave 10% to the church, that's 3000 and you saved 10%, that's 3000 and you did it for 10 years. Wow. You've given $30,000 to God over 10 years and you've saved $30,000. Does that sound like good economy? Good math? But it takes discipline. And, and then there's that word. Oh, we don't like that word. And then the last 80%. Well, that's live on the rest. Proverbs 13, 4 says, Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper and be satisfied. When you bring and give and then live on the 80%, don't feel guilty for driving a nice car or for having a four-wheeler or for having a jet ski or whatever. Um, I don't want you to ever have to worry. And because, see, we said a couple of weeks ago when we talked about materialism, then I can't know whether you're materialistic or not because I can't, I don't judge your motives. I don't know your heart. I don't know your relationship with God. If you're saving, if you're living on the 80% and you're paying yourself and you're, you're bringing to God, then enjoy the 80%. Drive the nicest car you have, you can. And we'll ask to borrow it. We may ask you to drive to Dallas or Houston or somewhere. Um, but you understand, right, what I'm saying? God never expects us. God wants to bless us, and that, that includes finances. We said that the blessing of God means tangible and intangible favor of God. But He only blesses those people who will turn around and be a blessing to others. Now, the reality is that in America... The average American lives on 105% of their income. <laughs> you know how we do it? Those plastic flotation devices. 
Do you ever get ahead if you're living on 105% of your income? Uh-uh. And there'll be a time that, that you'll probably declare bankruptcy. Um, and that's not, a, that's not an easy thing. I know some folks who've done that and, and they're still trying to climb out of that hole. Creature from the Cash Lagoon got them. They wanted to be like others. The media monster got them. Plastic people eaters got them. And they're living in bondage. And they said, oh, I wish somebody had told me sooner. Well, God's Word offers all kinds of advice. question is, are you going to follow it? God wants to add His bless to your ing, His super to your natural, but you've got to choose to live in the zone. Take your registration cards if you would.